the iceberg. It's all on the surface, baby. Episode one of our new sequential numbering. It is March 16th, 2021 on a Tuesday. And I am your lone host for the week, Lee. It's exactly like the Tits of the Iceberg podcast from back in 2009, except all my friends are gone. No. Uh, so we'll get to Sultan's of Slam in a moment and uh, what the future of that podcast holds. But if you'll indulge me for a moment. Uh, Tits of the Iceberg started in 2009, uh, back when you had to... Uh, there were no Yeti microphones. There were no simple recording devices. No, we had a we had a full-on board and mixer and sure microphones and... And sponsorships, and uh, holy shit, it was the, it was uh, high times. Now everyone has a podcast, uh, including myself, always uh, managing on average 1.5 podcasts at any given time. Um, but I wanted to bring back a stream of consciousness pop culture podcast to, uh, to the Tits of the Iceberg space. And it will be all-encompassing. It will have Sultans of Slam within it until that becomes... Uh, there comes a time when Sultans of Slam shall return once more. This is not the first time we have shelved Sultans of Slam. And in fact, if you uh, hang around for the next five minutes or so, uh, we're going to get right into Sultans of Slam. We're an abridged version for this week. Uh, I intend to have some of the original hosts back once the, once the Code Red is ended. Uh, we can get Taras in here. We can get Arlie, Trevin. Uh, we're going to bring back some of the classic hosts. We're going to uh, have a much more loose, freeform, conversational um Format and also the the length of the episodes will be all over the place. Uh, some of them will be 15, 20 minute live journals of uh, how shitty my week was. Other ones will will dig deep into some other uh, topics. And it's all on the surface, baby. Anything goes here. Uh, fast food? Yeah, let's talk about it. Woody Allen documentaries? Yeah, that's awful. Uh, whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna be on this podcast. And like I said, that will include Sultans of Slam that we're getting to in a moment, just in time for the Snyder Cut. The Tits of the Iceberg podcast has returned. For new listeners, I will explain the Tits of the Iceberg name. Podcast started in 2009. When you could actually name your podcast most anything you could think of, as long as it wasn't the Adam Carolla show or Smodcast uh, or the Joe Rogan experience, chances are the name was available. Uh, so at one point it was the Total Shebang podcast or something or something like that. We turned to Arlie. Arlie, what would be a good name? For the podcast, and he said tits of the iceberg, and then uh, there was a long pause, and no, no, that was it, no need to overthink it. So in bringing this back, I'm like, well, well, let's do a play off that, let's do a just the tip, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, but that's actually the joke, so that doesn't make any sense. Uh, so then Just the Tip, turns out there are multiple podcasts already called Just the Tip. I looked up some other uh, de derivatives of that and uh, found that new Tits of the Iceberg is hacky and awful and it's the name of the damn show. So without further ado, uh, we're going to talk about a range of topics today. Uh, we have Reed joining us in an... Uh, a pre-recorded little segment where he's going to recommend some anime to us, and this will probably be a weekly thing, and I intend to add uh, more recurring segments as time goes on. So bear with us as we relaunch this. I apologize to all the big fans of Sultans of Slam, all two of you. Uh, that show was not... Uh, I didn't feel like that show was my own. It was me writing down notes and regurgitating... Uh, what had happened on Dynamite typically five or six days after it had already taken place. And I started to... Uh, not... I was gonna say dread. No, uh, I started to... It started to feel like a obligation 
and I wasn't getting out of it what I wanted. I, I love watching Dynamite. I love taking the notes. It's definitely a different way to experience something like that. Uh, but I want to enjoy my wrestling. I'm just going to watch AEW Dynamite now and then offer my uh, my thoughts in the Sultans of Slam segment. Obviously, we'll go deeper into pay-per-views and stuff like that. And like I said, if ever there is a need for a full-fledged uh, pro wrestling podcast here again, perhaps when Reed or Andrew or someone wants to uh, start regularly watching and get back in on it, uh, perhaps we'll bring that back on maybe like a monthly basis. But for now... With a March si- March sixteenth, three sixteen. Oh hell yeah! I just uh, I just fucking realized that. Do you know what's the beauty of the Stone Cold three sixteen promo? Is he only did that motherfucking thing once? Hell yeah! Sultans of Slam. Let's talk about it. There's been three weeks going on. Three weeks. Well, t- tomorrow is uh is the second follow up to the pay per view. We got talk. We gotta talk about that pay per view. Uh, so there was an episode of Dynamite that was the go home show. We won't so much talk about that. Uh, but we will, we will uh, talk about that pay-per-view real quickly uh, and run down the card, as it were. Uh, Maki Ito was a uh, surprise uh, announced uh, to be joining AEW. Uh, she is all elite. Maki Ito is not a good pro wrestler. She is a fantastic personality. She's got charisma. She's oozing the charisma. Uh, she's got the uh, the whole Twitter game down. She she's. She's not a full package. She's got a real good making for... The the best thing I can compare her to is an Orange Cassidy. The difference there being is that Orange Cassidy can get into a ring with Chris Jericho and put on like a four-star match. Maki Ito clearly uh, is, is in the state where she needs to be carried. And the thing with Maki Ito is she is uh, in the business four years now. And I'm not a fucking pro wrestler. I've never hit the goddamn ropes. But I'm to understand that four years, uh, you, you should see a lot more uh, progress in a wrestler. Uh, backstory being, of course, she is a uh, dejected idol. Uh, so she has like a singing gimmick and does like the cute uh, Japanese uh, idol shtick. Britt Baker and Makiito defeated Riho and Thunder Rosa in the pre-show. The Young Bucks defeated Chris Jericho and MGF to retain... The Tag Team Championship. De- Death Triangles Phoenix and Pac won the 15-man casino Tag Team Royale, giving them an upcoming title shot, which will be fantastic. Women's Champion Hikaru Shida defeated Ryu Mizunami, which is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with that match, but... Man, uh, Ryu Mizunami is not the pay-per-view challenger. If, you, if you're looking to keep the, the excitement level up, I don't know... Uh, I'm not going to say it's a fucking throwaway, but they did that whole tournament for it to come to that. And, uh, I don't know. I think there might have been a better way to go for this pay-per-view. Miro and Kip Sabian defeated Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor. Uh, but that feud continues into Dynamite. Hangman Page defeats Matt Hardy in the big money match. Uh, good babyface win here. Uh, the, the Dark Order thing with Hangman Page needs some closure. Uh, either this man... They go their separate ways. He tells them off. I don't know. I don't know what it has to be. Uh, but Hangman Page does not need the stable of, of of boys following him around all the time. Nothing against Dark Order. They're fantastic. Uh, them as faces in the wake of Brody Lee's passing is incredible. Uh, they, they've, they've, they've all risen to the occasion, but uh, Hangman Page does not need. The, the, like, what, what we've seen of Hangman Page in them so far is great, but let's move on. Scorpio Sky wins the Face of the Revolution match, giving him a TNT title match this Wednesday on Dynamite. Uh, Scorpio Sky went on to heel turn, 
Uh, of course, w- with the aforementioned passing of Brody Lee and all those Dark Order guys becoming uh, the impromptu faces, there is a heel deficit on the AEW uh, um, roster. Uh, and then, of course, we had Sting and Darby Allen defeating Team Taz in a street fight. All good. <clears throat> and AEW champion Kenny Omega defeats John Moxley in the exploding barbed wire death match, or should we say, lack of explosion? <laughs> so this was the most uh, successful pay per view in AEW's uh, run by a lot. Uh, I think I think average buys they were expecting 100 to 110k buys. Uh, this thing did I think somewhere closer to 170. So not doubling it, but goddamn, uh, that's that's an extra little bit of change in your pocket. And it's a huge bummer that this show ended the way it did with all the great wrestling uh, on it. It was a solid show, soup to nuts. Uh, it, it was not the best AEW pay-per-view by a long shot. Uh, it, it will be memorable for all the wrong reasons. And of course, if you haven't heard already somehow, the explosion not heard around the world Uh there is a countdown timer for 30 minutes in this exploding barbed wire death match. The match itself is fantastic. It's bloody. It's everything you were promised. Uh, aside from the fact where uh, Kenny Omega made it pretty clear that at the 30 minute mark, this, this motherfucker is going up. So the match ends. And there's still five minutes going. And a timer starts on the thing. There's, there's, they lay Moxley out. And uh, Eddie Kingston here with his, his heroic face turn... Uh, comes out and despite his differences with John Moxley, covers his body when he is unable to remove him from the ring. Uh, some birthday sparklers go off and Eddie Kingston is selling this thing like he is he is dead. You can't take back what has happened. Uh, the the idea that Eddie Kingston is covering a lifeless John Moxley and this explosion goes off and the explosion is embarrassing. In the moment. There's a lot of ways out of that situation. Uh, Eddie, Someone whispers to Eddie Kingston, uh, it, it was a botched explosion, don't sell it. Uh, at which point, he can lift his head up, see that w- whatever is whatever. Somebody sends Kenny Omega and Don Callis back out to the ramp, and they're laughing at Eddie and Moxley in the ring, and we go off the air. This sucks because, obviously, the, the crowd was expecting a large explosion. But at least in storyline, we immediately know that the explosion was... was that We were not meant to believe this explosion did damage to Eddie Kingston. That Eddie Kingston's like, oh, that was it and he's okay. And that it was some kind of joke on John Moxley and he. With Don Callis and Kenny Omega having designed the bomb. Fine. Uh, so you send people home without having seen that giant explosion. And uh, I've seen some uh, quick compilations of some of these types of matches in the past, and they've done some really silly things with the explosions. And there's explosions throughout the match. They're like there's 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 cool stuff throughout this match that that will unfortunately be eclipsed by how the shit wrapped up. Uh, but unfortunately, Eddie Kingston did not get that note and continues to sell the explosion. So Eddie Kingston is peeled off of John Moxley and is laying there dead, uh, completely unconscious. And uh, now John Moxley gets up, and after the pay-per-view has gone off the air, and they posted this almost immediately to social media, John Moxley cuts a promo on Kenny Omega and how shitty his bomb was, and uh, everybody is is apparently pretty furious backstage about this. Obviously, as they should be, someone really dropped the fucking ball here, and uh, the the angle is yes, in fact, that the the bomb was fucked up or Impact paid for it. Not that it was intention. The the part where the bomb was intended to blow up but didn't sucks i think the angle where no they it was it was a joke 
But that only works if Eddie Kingston comes out, because otherwise John Moxley is just unconscious in the ring, and you would have some sparklers go off. It's awful. It's an awful situation. It's one of those things where you wish, oh man, if, if just they had done this in the moment, how, how much face they could have saved here. But fuck. God damn it. This is the most watched AEW pay-per-view, and this is how we went off the goddamn air. So on AEW Dynamite... Uh, Eddie Kingston gets into uh, being told he's going to like Sing Sing prison or something and having a fucking awful flashback that completely immobilized him and, and knocked his ass out during uh, when those explosions went off. <sighs> it's it's not the best. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, that sucks. It, t- it took the wind out of the sails. That, maybe that's why Salt of the Slam is dead, honestly. When that, when that explosion failed to go off and it was just like a wet fucking fart. And then I'm like, great. I get to talk about this. This this I've been talking for weeks about this build up to this pay-per-view and and that was the payoff. It's it's disappointing as a fan. I uh, like things happen, see it through. Uh you always uh, at, at above all else want the pro wrestlers themselves to be safe. So obviously you'd rather have this botched explosion than a real explosion where someone was injured or something like that. But goddamn. Goddamn make sure there's backups make sure there's there's something in place hey if this if this explosion looks like shit the referee's gonna go in real quick and tell eddie kingston not to sell it and the angle will be that it was a joke that had to have been in place and it and it sadly wasn't there was a number of other uh new wrestlers showing up here ethan ethan page is that who else showed up in the uh, ladder match and did not win and then uh christian cage signs i'm I'm to understand tony khan is a huge uh christian cage fan uh, I know Christian Cage mostly from uh, fucking OSW reviews of Impact Wrestling. I, I did not watch the heyday of uh, Edge and Christian in WWE. And uh, he looked good. Uh, th- these are all guys that, for all intents and purposes, uh, should know. When I say these guys, I'm talking about like Edge, Daniel Bryan, Sting. Uh, these are guys in the twilight of their careers that don't, don't need to come back and do this. Uh, but it is something they are passionate for and they want to... I guess go out on their own terms, and uh, they all look good. They're all looking great. Uh, so what? What the fuck can I really say about these guys coming back? But Kristen Cage is not the draw that Sting is. He is not the draw that even Paul White signing on as an announcer is, in my opinion. Uh, so all good for Tony Khan signing his, his his hero there and whatnot. No, I guess we'll wait and see what happens if there's a, a great TV match they can build up between Kenny Omega and Christian. I'm sure it'll be. Fantastic, but in terms of the uh, the legacy hires that AEW has done, Christian doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Uh, Maki Ito did a uh, another match on uh, the inaugural episode of AEW Dark Elevation, I guess, which was yesterday on Monday, and uh, that apparently was much better. Riho uh, was able to to they put together a match there where it really worked. Uh, so I'm glad to hear that. I have uh, I've yet to watch that. Uh, the Makito is apparently heading back to Japan. So I don't know if she has a few more matches in the in the can. Uh, but we'll be back. So the thing uh, with any wrestler, like wrestlers, can be far popular, like really popular over their uh, in ring ability. And you can look at a lot of the uh, that certain era of women's wrestling in WWE uh, to tell you all about that. Uh, that if people want to simp you. Uh, you will you will get pushed, and uh, hopefully you know a rising tide raises all boats. What the fuck is the expression? And raises all ships, whatever. And uh, we we can get a little more 
little finesse on that Mackie Ito because based on the charisma and based on the character, people are completely down. Like I said, direct comparison to Orange Cassidy where once we have people back in the building, how over is she going to be? But we can't have people selling those punches and those fucking microphone strikes uh, because that's that's worse than the leg slapping. Okay, so Vince McMahon in the WWE has banned leg slaps just with like an aerial font sign up in the back room at like smackdown it was just like no more leg slaps motherfucker so you got all these people uh drew mcintyre former champion and soon to main event uh wrestlemania it's a man with a claymore kick where he slaps his damn thigh uh because it it, it, it sat- have you ever watched rocky the movie rocky sylvester still with the sound down if you watch the fighting scenes in Rocky or the, the climax in Rocky with no music and no sound effects, it looks awful. It looks fake. Uh, every punch is whiffing. Every, it's, it takes everything out of it. I can overlook the leg slap. It's just how you perform the move. Uh, like, I don't think of it that way. Like, when the Bucks throw a super kick or, or someone's doing a, a knee or something like that and they do the slap... It eventually just your brain is trained that that is what the human body looks like when it delivers a move like this. And you're not really thinking of like, why is he swinging his arm like that against his thigh? Oh, that's where the clap comes from. I I don't know. There, there has been stuff like this through the ages. Guys used to throw punches and stomp and stuff like that uh, in, the, in the not so distant past. Uh, so I don't know if this is like a direct, like get that indie wrestling shit out of here from Vince McMahon, but goddamn, I can't imagine anything. Again, here me uh, ne- with zero minutes of pro wrestling experience, never having hit the ropes. Uh, I can't imagine that being part of your repertoire. That like you for you've been trained muscle memory to slap that fucking thigh, and then the heat of the moment. Now you're double thinking it, and that that second could cost you everything. Uh, not just it looking like shit, but but there could be. Dangerous implications of, of being up in your head instead of doing what comes naturally and performing these moves. Absolutely. Don't tell me otherwise. Uh, so AW Dynamite uh, this week, we'll, uh, we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive next Tuesday on new Tits of the Iceberg episode 2. So stay tuned for that. Uh, what were your thoughts on the AW pay-per-view? It seemed pretty ho-hum. Uh, nothing, nothing truly outstanding. Looking forward to some of the implications that, that spun from it. But that's uh, that's gonna be it for Sultans of Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Live Moss. Taco Bell is not food. When you swallow gum, you know that feeling you get in the pit of your stomach. You just feel it there. Like even if it's like a little piece of Excel or something, you're just like motherfucker. I feel that mother. That's not food. I put something in my body that's not food. Taco Bell makes me feel that way. And uh, before everybody. Rushes to defend Taco Bell. Taco Bell has its place. There are a lot of high people in the world. There are, there are a lot of hungry people in the world. And Taco Bell provides a very cheap fast food option. In Canada, we have a lot less of the bells and whistles that you do in the States. We, we still get most of the uh, limited edition uh, tacos, sandwiches, quesalupas, uh, Dorito shells, what have you. Their hot sauce is fine. I like that it comes in a little ketchup packet. Uh, they have that value menu where if you get a combo, you can add things for ridiculously cheap to your bill, like a $1.99 burrito. And I'll take that deal every day of the week. But then after I eat it, I feel like death. And my pets are interested in most every fast food I eat. The dog wants a french fry. Cat's interested in a slice of pizza. They don't want anything to fucking do with Taco Bell. 
Taco Bell can be reduced down to like five ingredients as well. It's not like I eat it all the time either. I just have, I got a bone to pick with them. So you get the box meal. It's usually got three different things in it that are basically made out of the same ingredients, but maybe there's a corn tortilla uh, in there. Uh, I like the idea of putting the corn tortilla in the soft shell, uh, uh, your burrito wrap or your crunch wrap. The, these are the good things from Taco Bell, in my opinion. Uh, they also have, you know, like a Fry Supreme is fantastic. Uh, I'll give the shout out to Taco Time here in Canada, though, that does tater tots as their default fries and does offer a tater tot Fry Supreme. Maybe not as good as the Hooters Lots of Tots, but that's a conversation for another time. You go through Taco Bell, you you can try, but you won't be able to spend more than $20. Like, if you get two box meals and some extras on the side, maybe you're, maybe you're breaking just over $20. And that's enough to feed two people most of the time. After you eat it, man, I don't know if it's the salt. I don't know what... Like, we ate this early on Saturday. We were just, like, in the area of a Taco Bell. I'm like, you know what I haven't had forever? Taco Bell. I wonder why that is. So we buy a mountain of Taco Bell, get it home, and uh, and chow down. I should preface all of this by saying the, the thing that set me off is I had a leftover burrito in the fridge and pre and reheated it. And I would rather eat a frozen burrito at that point. They're fine when they're really hot, when that cheese is hot in there. It's okay. Put a little hot sauce on there. No problem. But goddamn, just uh, in the pit of my stomach, I couldn't eat until like Sunday, like 24 hours later, I was maybe starting to feel peckish. It just felt like I'd swallowed a, a fucking salt lick and didn't want to touch food ever again. Uh, Taco Bell's got this like cult, cult following. People love the Taco Bell. They love the brand. They love the Baja Blast, but let's talk about the drinks at Taco Bell. I can't explain this, and if if you don't hear from me again, they fucking got the bell got me. Okay, at every Taco Bell I have ever been to, and this goes for KFCs too. And fun fact: a lot of Taco Bells in Canada, at least in our region, are Taco Bells slash KFCs. So this could very well be a KFC thing. I love KFC. Extra crispy chicken, Thursday special. You guys know about the Thursday special? I don't know if every KFC does this, but on Thursdays, 10 pieces dark meat chicken and a medium fry for like 18 bucks, if that. Then you add a gravy on the side, and again, the whole point of fast food is you're not spending over $20. That's the trick. One small trick. Doctors hate him. So, I get the Baja Blast. I've never tried it before. I assumed it was like a blue... It's Blue Mountain Dew or is it Blue Brisk? Doesn't matter. Every drink I have ever had from a Taco Bell establishment has tasted like fucking soap. In Winnipeg, doesn't matter where you go, a few Taco Bells in town. I've had Taco Bell in Calgary. I've had Taco Bell maybe in Toronto. I don't really fucking remember, but airports. Shit, Taco Bell. Every Taco Bell I've ever been to, drinks taste like soap. Every single time. If you get root beer, there's something about the sarsaparilla... There's something about it uh, where it cuts through that soap and you can you can mostly drink it. But you get a Pepsi, you get a Brisk. There's a fucking after... And this has existed my entire fucking life. There's a Taco Bell location over here near me, two minutes away on, on Kiwaitan Street. And every time I have had Taco Bell there and had a, I had a fountain drink, it has tasted this way. It has tasted this way my entire life. I'm a 32-year-old man. For over two decades, eating this Taco Bell has tasted like soap. And it is not... Just localized that store. And I think it would be rude to ask. Uh, because maybe it's at a... Maybe it's how they're cutting it. Maybe it's what they're cutting it with. 
So if they if they have their syrup and then they're cutting the syrup maybe before it even gets sent to the fucking like is the is it how they clean their machines? I have never experienced this at another fast food restaurant. McDonald's, Bur- even Burger King, which you, where you expect to be kicked in the nuts and fed a cup of soap. Th- this is not not the case there. Only Taco Bell, specifically Taco Bell KFCs. What's that about? I need to know. Who works there? Someone works there. Let me know. Why your drinks taste like fucking soap? And if anyone comes back at me and says, no, they don't, you're a, you're a fucking, we'll go to Taco Bell right now. And I'll, I'll call you a liar to your face in front of the Taco Bell staff and you will cry. Uh, we need to, we need to figure that out. Uh, but t- Taco Bell, I'm, I'm placing in a, if we were to start a, an official fast food uh, segment on this, Taco Bell, consider yourself ranked last place, baby. And just uh, for the sake of having a first place that isn't Taco Bell, because if Taco Bell is the only thing on the list, it's Taco Bell and Taco Bell, best and worst. Let's put Wendy's value menu right at the top. Wendy's has a mess of burgers, and most of them are bad. However, their value menu, specifically the Junior Bacon Cheeseburger, I'm trying to give myself some credibility here after shitting on on Taco Bell, because people are just pissed. The Junior Bacon Cheeseburger at Wendy's, one of the best, Small size value menu burgers you can buy. Get three of them shits. Get a vanilla frosty. Get some fries to dip in it, and uh, you're having a good time. So for those keeping track at home, number one fast food Wendy's value menu, and least favorite that's Taco Bell. Uh, <laughs> I think when when Trevin rejoins the show, uh, talking about snacks and legacy snacks and fast food. Something that definitely needs to happen. Like, when they brought back Doritos 3D, the first motherfucker I contacted about that. I'm like, Trevin, Doritos 3D is back. You gotta try it. This tastes like Bugles. I don't remember it tasting like this. Yeah, neither do I, man. Uh, and it was a back-and-forth text conversation, 20 minutes long, about Doritos and other Cheetos Paws. They brought those back, too. But I digress. Hey, hey, hey. Reed here with the new segment on Lee's brand new podcast where I'm going to be going over random ass anime thus I dubbed it or however you want to say it the three R's where I'm going to be talking about random anime every week that I recommend people go check out I have no real way of going through this so uh, I'm just going to start out with something I've been watching lately I watched it years ago and that is Black Lagoon Black Lagoon is a two season 12 episode per season anime produced by Madhouse along with three episode OVA that comes out after Black Lagoon is a very highly regarded and somewhat well-known um, anime that is, uh, it's very action-packed. It's very heavily inspired by John Woo films, so there's lots of shooting, action, uh, badass chicks. There's, there's more badass chicks in Black Lagoon than any other piece of media I've ever seen. So Black Lagoon revolves around uh, a pirate company, essentially, out of the, the thief city of Rappaport, which I believe in the show they say is just kind of somewhere... Um, but basically, there's no there's no like law there essentially. Um, so Black Lagoon revolves around a particular company in there that does odd jobs for like the Russian or Chinese mafia, drug dealing nuns. They have hit jobs, kidnapping jobs, and everything. So the first episode actually begins with them kidnapping our main character Rock, who is a Japanese businessman, so they could uh, hold him for ransom against the company against the company he works for. After the company he works for basically says, like, fuck, we'll just let him kill you and we'll write you off as, like, a whatever death, who gives a shit. Bottom line for the company is more important. Uh, Rock discovers that the people of Black Lagoon actually, like, are more human than his employers and care about him more, and thus he joins them a little bit reluctantly. Uh, so the main 
theme of the series is basically Rock slowly being corrupted and losing his morals as the people of Black Lagoon, specifically Revy, who I'll talk about shortly, starts to regain back some of the humanity that she lost over the years. So the other members of Black Lagoon are Revy, who is arguably the other main character of the series. She's a badass chick with dual pistols, who's had a tragic uh, life growing up and now doesn't take shit from nobody and will kill anybody who defies her and is just a fucking awesome character. As the series progresses, like I said, uh, having Rock there reminds her of what actual humanity and what life can be like, and it either pisses her off in ways she can't understand, and as the series goes on, it uh, makes her rediscover a lot of her humanity. On the flip side, Rock is being corrupted by Rapapore and all the people living there. So it's a very interesting dynamic series. It's not such a... Uh, big transitions you'd find in, like, Breaking Bad, like, Rock isn't going to be murdering people or anything. It's a lot more subtle in that regard, which I like. It's a lot more believable. But really what makes Black Lagoon stand apart from other series is, is such a mature, in the sense that there's lots of blood, uh, tasteful sex, in my opinion, um, shooting, action. It deals with a lot of mature themes and fun episodes, too. It's an episodic anime, so most episodes do not really... There's no big overall plot to the series, each episode will usually have an episode after or two that relates to it, but nothing too crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic series. Highly recommend this for anybody who loves who loves heavy action, who loves subtle characters, uh, who doesn't want something full of powers. This is all just you know, it's not it, it's all based in reality essentially. Um, there's lots of cool moments in this between. Uh, fucking maids who are like the T-1000 from Terminator 2, uh, to them going back to Japan to deal with the Japanese mafia, the Yakuza specifically, and lots of other things. Great action, fun episodes, fun characters, badass chicks. There's more badass chicks in Black Lagoon than any anime probably out there between Revy, uh, the Russian mafia lady, the nun, um... The Maid, Roberta. Roberta's Blood Trail is the three-episode OVA after, which is also awesome. And it's just it's just a great great goddamn anime. It's the most feminist action anime I've ever seen. Highly recommend you guys go watch it. So that's my first episode of Reed's Random Recommendations for Anime. Next week I'll be coming at you with something fresh, something new. And yeah, that's basically it. Tiger Woods? Y'all know about Tiger Woods? 2K bought a PGA Tour from... I can't remember who's making that right now. Come on. Jeez, bad at my job. Uh, but Tiger Woods is back, baby. Now, I, coming up into the conspiracies, twi- two in a row, baby. Was the impetus for signing Tiger Woods back to PGA Tour something they were already working on? Or did Tiger Woods get into a car accident and it was very apparent that the public opinion of Tiger Woods uh, had had shifted. Uh, this man committed just heaps of adultery. Uh, which is something that in 2021, uh, ma- like a married man stepping out on his wife, is actually relatively lower down the list of transgressions now. And <laughs> if we're looking, if we're comparing him this week to the other name in the news... Uh, being wished into the cornfield currently in Woody Allen, 
the things known about Woody Allen have always been known, but now that it's a, a Crave documentary or whatever the fuck, now it's it's seeping into uh, regular regular conversation. These are things like, comedians have mentioned this forever. Look at the Bill Cosby thing and how that blew up. That was something that everybody always just like, yeah, I've heard some things. Uh, then was it like Hannibal Burris just like blew that up in a stand-up routine, and then like that that cascaded into what happened to Bill Cosby. Uh, the Woody Allen, like Woody Allen, could be announced as dead tomorrow, and he'd be like, "Yeah, well, there you go, a uh, little bit of a tarnished legacy." But what are you gonna do? Does Woody Allen even get included in the Academy Awards? People we lost this year after how damning and fucking disgusting the things that man has done. He has also made the movie Annie Hall. Uh, as well as a number of other movies that I cherish and will watch for the rest of my life. And uh, the, the question of separating the man from the art is uh, is one that we've we've always talked about on this show and in pop culture on the whole. Uh, even even someone like a Kevin Spacey uh, and that like someone someone that we've relatively in the Me Too thing kind of kind of went yeah we, we went yeah okay. I think, like, in the, in the case where, like, no charges were pursued and, like, it's something we all know now and it's something that late-night show hosts can make jokes about for years to come. Uh, but who decides who who's back on the, the okay list and who's not? I remember when, uh, what the fuck is that movie? There's a Will Ferrell movie where he's, like, a stepdad. Uh, shit, Daddy's Home or something. Mark Wahlberg? Is it Daddy's Home? Fuck it, we're looking it up. Daddy's Home. Uh, Daddy's Home Film. John Morris. Michael Andrews. Daddy's Home. Brad It's Daddy's Home. So, they made a sequel to that movie. And Mel Gibson appeared in it. I remember seeing an article. And it could have been Variety. I don't know where it was. But it was basically like, Mel Gibson's back, baby. America's ready for Mel Mel Gibson. And I'm like, well, who? Okay. So, this man gets drunk. And says a bunch of anti-Semitic stuff to a cop or whatever the fuck the initial thing was. This man gets drunk and he gets into a hot tub and screams at his lady to blow him. But who hasn't been there, right? So we decide at some point that, eh, he was drunk. He's belligerent. It's fine. Come back into the come back into the club. The the underage thing with Woody Allen and the predatory nature of it is is unforgivable and something that no one should ever be able to look past. Even though for fucking decades. We've swept it under the rug. Why this doc? Why the outrage over this documentary now? This is something that has been widely known for years and years and years that this man is fucking disgusting. But because it wasn't in a fucking streaming documentary, he's gotten a yes. He, he certainly hasn't gotten a pass. But goddamn, uh, the nature of this man's like the people he knew and the people he decided to associate with, and some of the quotes you see from some of his contemporaries back in the day. And when I say back in the day, I'm talking about 20 years before I was fucking born, guys. It's uh, it's all there. It's all there. And it will always be there. And um, who decides when it's time for Mel Gibson to make his, his comeback? Um, went on a bit of a tangent there. Uh, what I was trying to come around to is Tiger Woods gets in this car accident. And it, public is pretty sad to hear that. Uh, hey, man, this guy's, you know... He's, uh, he's, he's done a lot. He's accomplished a lot. Uh, and, and good to hear he's okay. People were saying they needed the jaws of life uh, to pull him out of this thing. But but generally, public seemed to, to overlook the adultery. People were like, meh, consenting adults. Uh, Tiger Woods certainly wasn't accused of, of, of raping anyone, as far as I'm concerned. And he was just stepping out on his wife. 
Yeah, it's the sanctity of marriage. What does that, what does that count for to these days? And his name was dragged through the mud for a bit, and then he was bad at golf for, for a time. I don't know if he went to rehab. Man, it's been it's been a rough few few. It's been a rough decade for Tiger Woods. Uh, the, the PGA Tour thing dropped him at some point, and they went with Rory McIlroy for one year. Um, but now he's back, baby, and it seemed pretty clear that uh, people didn't want him to die. They didn't want this adulteress to die. But uh, based on what I'm reading online, people would be okay if Woody Allen was was killed. We gotta talk about Bethesda. Uh, has been officially it's 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 on paper, baby. They signed it. Bethesda has been bought by Microsoft. And in doing so, they've dumped an ass load of Bethesda games to Game Pass. I'm going to tell you right now that a number of these games are already on Game Pass, but it looks really good to announce them all in one place. So I'm sitting here, and I'm being like, do I own Oblivion? And this is before this took place. I, was, I don't know why. I was like, I want to toss an Oblivion into an Xbox One X. I don't know, fuck it. Go on a little nostalgia trip, baby. Go on a little nostalgia trip of Oblivion. And lo and behold, they add it to Game Pass. Who am I uh, to to deny that siren's call? I download Oblivion. It is six gigabytes big. It is vanilla-ass Oblivion. It is not the Game of the Year version. It has no mods. <laughs> How... The first question people have asked me that I've told that I've played Oblivion... Uh, like the officer I've been playing Oblivion is uh, the trick is to roleplay and this is not something everybody can do with video games it's not something everybody even wants to do in video games but when I'm getting into this game specifically just to for the nostalgia of it well at that point let's uh, let's give myself uh, to dance and I uh, told, told my wife hey make me a character any race is fine I told her I would like if you gave me some backstory to this character uh, how do they fight uh, what you know are they a good guy, a bad guy? Simple shit. She uh, outright refused, but she did make me a character. Of course, when she found how the created character works in Oblivion, first noting that all of the characters are ugly, which I said, yes, people are still working on mods to try to fix that. She came across the Argonian, and uh, it was a match made in heaven. So she finds the complexion meter, and you can turn that bitch all the way up. Uh, and you basically make a fluorescent lizard, which is kind of fun. Not unlike the ones that appear in Dark Souls. Uh, anyways makes me a character and it man oblivion is an important game to me and to a lot of people uh oblivion being on console when it was on console was so fucking huge and this wraps back around neatly to microsoft now acquiring bethesda and people being like what does that mean for sony ps4 and ps3 in the in its in its waning years became very popular. It's very clear that the PS4 and now the PS5 is the lead console between that and Xbox. So when a AAA developer, uh, publisher, like Bethesda, gets bought up by one or the other, and the question of exclusivity is raised, uh, th this is something that's come up with like Resident Evil. It's something that's come up with Final Fantasy. Like when Final Fantasy 13 went to the Xbox 360, it was like, oh, fuck, end of an era. Uh, when, when Resident Evil went to GameCube, people weren't as concerned, but when Resident Evil came back and then was, was out on Xbox, it was like, well, this is, this is weird now. Um, I, I think all of that is, is, is pretty silly, although you still feel it in your guts and I'll explain Yakuza. Yakuza is a game that of course you associate with PlayStation. Uh, it's, it's a Japanese ass Japanese game is published by Sega. Uh, all, 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 a whole list of reasons why. Yakuza Like a Dragon comes out 
And it's got smart delivery, and I saw this as a, a time to maybe move my Yakuza playing onto the Xbox. And then you go on Game Pass and you realize, holy shit, every Yakuza game uh, released in North America is pretty much on here. You can get Kiwami 1 and 2, 3, 4, 5, and I believe 6 is uh, slated to come out pretty soon there as well. Xbox has become the, the Yakuza machine. Uh, interesting. Interesting that. Uh, so I remember back in the day with the 360, and, and I'm going to talk positively about Microsoft right now, because it's easy to shit on them for a number of reasons. Uh, but when the 360 came out, it had a ton of hardware issues. I bought my 360, I think, later in the year, in 2006, 7? Uh, whenever the Oblivion port came out, uh, and Dead Rising, and some of the launch titles for 360, I went in to buy a 360 looking to get Dead Rising, a game that looked like it was too good to be true. At the time... That many enemies rendered on screen, uh, having a, a shopping mall to explore, all those things to interact with. Holy shit, that was something we'd never seen before. And in many ways, that game is still innovative and vastly interesting. But I walk up to the counter, and the person behind the counter is like, well, I got this Oblivion. And I'm like, well, what's that? And uh, I, I knew about Morrowind. I'd never played Morrowind on PC. I played very few Western RPGs at the time, which is good. Because if you go into Oblivion, having not played stuff like Baldur's Gate and stuff like that, it's it's to your benefit, motherfucker. Uh, because Oblivion is very simple, even compared to its predecessor in Morrowind. I knew about Morrowind, wish I could play Morrowind, never had a computer uh, that was good enough. So when she presents me with Oblivion, I'm like, I kind of I kind of know what this is. Like, that sounds that sounds kind of it's the collector's edition. Oh shit, let's let's fucking try that. So Xbox 360, Oblivion in hand, and by the end of that weekend, I had already red-ringed that Xbox. Uh, on top of red-ringing it, of course, there was also the disc, the disc scratch thing, and I'm talking about launch 360s here, probably. Uh, that disc scratch thing happened no matter what. Regardless if you had this uh, console vertically, horizontally, it didn't fucking matter. If you looked at this thing the wrong way, or, or a fucking bird flapped its wings down the street, it could just wreck your disc. So I am not joking you when I say I went through five Xbox 360s within the course of maybe a month and a half and 12 copies of the Oblivion Collector's Edition. And every time I went to the electronics boutique with my protection to be like uh, my Oblivion got scratched, they couldn't resurface it in the store. And it was a straight up replacement so they took another fucking brand new copy of Oblivion off the wall. Didn't just swap the discs out for me. Gave me the sealed, gave me the sealed fucking game. So in 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 the second time I returned this goddamn thing, I'm not kidding you, 12 times over the course of like a month and a half, I think it was, before I got a 360 that just stuck and I still have that 360. Um, man, unbelievable. So they would just give me a brand new copy of it. I got to open Oblivion so many times. And the, the thing that sucks the most, of course, is late night sessions playing Oblivion and either the console would fuck up or the disc would fuck up. So you better believe I tried every, uh, uh shit, man. I tried everything in the book to, to get the Xbox going. Let me tell you, that towel trick, that shit absolutely works, 100%. Uh, the towel trick would be you overheated the console with the towel over top of it for a few minutes. This supposedly would heat up the heat sinks or whatever was causing the red ring. Uh, so that they would they would reconnect and you'd be able to play the console. Sometimes this towel trick would work, uh, and then the console would work for days, and then before red ringing again, uh, that shit's insane. There's there's nothing there's nothing close to that. I guess Joy-Con drift could be pointed to, but that the console still works, except in the case of the the Switch Lite, of course, where if it drifts, that that controller is built into the console, and there ain't shit you can do about it. 
Uh, so I would try things like the the toothpaste trick on the discs to get it working. These are all things that I, I even knew then that were not working. But guess what? It would work temporarily, and uh, it was it was what we were going to do to play some of that Oblivion. Because goddamn, what an immersive game! The the times I would just like sit in real time and wait for a store to close, stake out a store, wait for it to close, uh, break in, steal everything, find out that there's a thieves guild and a fence where you can sell this stuff. This is stuff to me that were completely alien concept. I'd never played an RPG like this before. I'd never played a Western RPG where like that is a, always a major mechanic and still is to this day. So I, I start playing this Argonian and I've made this backstory of, oh, well, my, my most prolific, uh, my most, uh, prolific is not the word I was looking for. My most uh, character I got the furthest with ever in Oblivion was a Dark Knight. And of course in Oblivion you can make your own classes, base them off whatever you want and uh, kind of role play them there. Therefore, my character, of course, with a hideous complexion, looked like uh, fucking Ray Romano. Uh, and then I did something else in the game. There's something you can do in the game that changes your complexion as well. I don't know if it's like becoming a vampire or whatnot. Uh, but goddamn, that guy did not look human at all. Uh, and uh, so I, I rolled this Argonian and I, I came up with this backstory. I'm like, well, he'll be like a Marsh Knight. He's like a, a spell sword, I guess. And etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And then just role play it out, man. Like this guy likes mead. If I can find mead anywhere, I gotta buy it. I gotta buy a couple. And then if I have my inventory and I see the mead there, I gotta drink it. Uh, and then you layer rules like that. You also uh, keep track of time of day. This this sounds crazy to people who are like just mod the fucking game to put the stuff in there. If you want to eat food in Oblivion, there's a mod for that. If you want to have to sleep in Oblivion, there's a mod for that. I understand all of this. I'm saying with a little power of imagination. Motherfucker, you don't have to use mods. Uh, mods are great. Uh, I always... Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> when it comes to playing games, I uh, I always like to keep it vanilla. I like to keep it with the content in the game. Like I said, this, this Game Pass version comes with nothing. I got no horse armor. I got no additional spells. I ain't got shit. I ain't got no shivering aisles. I got none of that. Knights of the Nine. Fuck it. No, you got to pay full price if you want that shit. I am playing vanilla ass Oblivion, and I'm having the time of my life. I'm saving Kavach. I'm fighting my way through the arena. I'm, I'm hearing all the the lines that became Facebook memes. I'm loving it. And uh, and then I ask myself, well, when does when does modding uh, when when do I like it? And something I, I came upon recently is uh, the Djibouti show. Djibouti Dubs is a uh, a channel on YouTube that you should know for 10 years now. Uh, the guys who would uh, do uh, Billy Mays dubs and other infomercials and have, of course, expanded into Twitch and stuff recently and, and are a great casual group of guys. Good thing to watch while gaming. Big recommend on Djibouti. Uh, they, of course, like I said, on Twitch, but there's a, uh, they do video on demand on, uh, on, on YouTube as it were, and you can rewatch some of their stuff. And one of the stuff they're doing recently and something that they did in the past before I started following their Twitch content is Grand Theft Auto roleplay, which is a fucking door that got kicked open on me, uh, in the last week here. So there are websites out there. Uh, that are running heavily modded servers of GTA Online that include all kinds of mechanics and cool stuff uh, that make GTA a role-playing experience. And people are content to just, like, second-life-ass second-life their way around Los Santos. Uh, so this guy role-plays a, a hobo, in this case, and uh, named Jerry Curl. And uh, goes around interacting with other players, some of which he knows, some of which are other streamers. Other people are just people who log in to this role-playing server when it, when it's available and pretend to be cops or doctors or garbage men or what have you. And it's fucking fascinating. And there's all these different mechanics for, for different characters and how you come at it. 
And uh, it's very, very cool. Uh, I believe they're using a server called 5M. I don't want to blow up their spot too much. I know there's a bunch of other ones, but check that out. Uh, that's a, the, the whole Oblivion conversation was me recommending the Djibouti uh, roleplay. <laughs> Basically what happened there. Go check that out. I'm going to go watch some of that shit right now. Uh, so next week, I want to talk about Korean variety shows. Didn't get to it this week. I don't want to make this too long. Don't want to scare people off. And of course, I will have a host before too long uh, to to supplement me. So uh, we will uh, we will talk about Korean variety shows, which is most of the TV I watch. Uh, subscribe to a, uh, a a service called Kokawa, which has all the SBS and some other networks uh, shows, and it's it's a wide variety. Mostly, I like any adventure or game type. Uh, variety shows something where there is a goal or people competing is great uh, but then literally I watch another show that is just a panel of mothers and some hosts watching their sons uh, go about their normal day and of course there are other gimmicks and stuff in play there uh, but it is one of the more wholesome things you could watch on TV and you will see things on these shows that you don't see anywhere else on the planet you don't no one has conceptualized a lot of what you see on uh, Asian variety television. So I want to get into that a little bit. It's my show, so fuck you. Uh, we'll be back, of course, next week with more Sultans of Slam, talking about AEW Dynamite for this week. Also, Reed will have something to say about anime for us. But otherwise, look forward. Korean variety shows will be a major topic of conversation next week, as well as anything that falls in my lap throughout the week. Wow. That was longer than I thought it would be. And that's what she said. Uh, Tootsie Iceberg 2009 was the last time that's what she said may have been considered a a, uh, a good joke I was just realizing today that there's going to be a cross section of like people becoming dads but also being like old meme lords from like web 1.0 and that's going to be I think a lot of fun uh, just a lot of dads making really bad pun jokes about like ancient memes uh, a lot of can I has and stuff like that and I think that's uh, I think that's I think we're ready I think we're ready for that and that's just the tits of the iceberg. Shoot, shoot, shoot.